Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, Natalie and Rocky here back for another episode of Getting Off. And today we are going to talk about what do you want and don't want. And this is one of my favorite subjects because I really delve into this with my clients a lot because so many people don't know what they want. They kind of know a little bit more of what they don't want. And that's almost unfortunate, but what you do want is elusive. So we're going to talk about that. And I think Natalie might have a story to start with. Is this from the Wayback Machine, Natalie? <laughs> yeah, this is an older story for sure. This story is near and dear to my heart because it's one of the core inspirations for me in the creation of my blowjob course and the pieces I was able to put together through my own story and my own experience that granted me the wisdom that I was then able to pass on to other women in this course. And much of what I share is is learned in life. So this goes back to high school. There was a boy that I was spending time with, and he discovered pretty quickly that back then in high school, I was a girl who had a difficult time saying no. It was hard for me to to speak up for myself when I wasn't comfortable in a situation. It was hard for me to find my voice. Frankly, at that age, it didn't even feel like putting my own experience first was something that I was supposed to do. I was very much wrapped up in ideas of what I was supposed to do. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I was looking for that girl when I was in high school. <laughs> so I apologize now. Frankly, it worked. It, it worked to seek that out. And so what this guy did and what I'm certain he didn't realize was manipulative uh, was he showered me with attention and gifts and experiences. He offered to take me places and bought me food to eat and did all these things for me. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, isn't that the deal? We pay for dinner and then you put out? Well, that was his expectation, basically. And that I knew enough at that age to kind of put two and two together that that was what he was expecting. So he would take me somewhere and then he would pull his car over and basically put pressure on me in a way that I'm sure it could be argued didn't seem like pressure, but it sure felt like pressure from my perspective. And he would try to get me to give him a, a blowjob. And it worked a couple times, maybe a few times before I found the strength to tell him that I wasn't interested in, in doing that anymore. But I will always remember how it felt to be in my body engaged in something that I didn't really have my desire behind. And I certainly didn't have my pleasure behind. So he didn't reciprocate? No, 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's kind of taking advantage of you and getting getting his and not giving you anything. I mean, I could see how maybe that would get old pretty fast. I think he was really playing into old ideas of transactional relationships. And he recognized very quickly that it was easy to put me in a state of feeling obligated or guilty for having received as much as I did. So I I really didn't think that I wasn't receiving in that situation. He he kind of framed it in that like I had already done my receiving, it was time for me to give basically. Oh, so so the gifts and the food and the, the experiences were his reciprocation. You get something of intrinsic value, I get something of extrinsic value. And yeah. after that you're on your own. None of this was like directly spoken. It wasn't. Oh, of course not. It wasn't nearly as overt as all of that. But that was that was essentially the implication, and it it will always stay with me because it was really my first very clear introduction to self betrayal. It felt like betraying myself to give something that I really didn't want to give, and this is kind of one of the main concepts that comes to play in my course is that a lot of women don't realize that we can be guilty of self-imposed trauma. I'm certain that if I went back and asked that boy from high school, if he thought he, he was engaging with a girl who was unwilling, I'm positive he doesn't in a million years think that. Well, you went with him. You got in his car. I seemed very amenable. <laughs> and and I did it a few times because I felt like, quite honestly, to do it in those moments felt safer than saying no, because no would have meant having to deal with his feelings of rejection. It would have meant having to lose all the things that I'd been given. It would have meant possibly risking his anger or resentment. There's a lot that's unpredictable about that. And, you know, I mean, you hear you hear stories where it can become even scarier than that when so, you're alone. So you can you can find yourself kind of getting in too deep. Basically, and it just seems like the easier plan to go along with things than than to own a no. So what happens is when we experience this self-imposed trauma, our body is having this experience and not feeling safe or good as it's happening. So our body is developing an association with that act and that that interaction. And, and the body is like, no, this is not safe. This is not okay. So then the next time when we go to engage in that same act, even if it's with somebody new, our body is still engaging with that that memory of that one time it wasn't safe to do this. And so we can have an experience where even if we're like enthusiastically excited with a new partner, we want to engage that way. It can be physically painful or we, we can be limited somehow by the fear that's stored in our body due to that previous experience. Okay, so this guy, he's got to be noticing that you're becoming a little bit more and more reticent 
you know, as time goes on, or is he oblivious? I oblivious. I don't think so. Because here's the thing, like when, when you have an agenda like that, the same as the guy who came to my house and, you know, made the assumption that because he entered my door, I wanted to give him a blowjob. He wasn't looking for the signs. He wasn't watching the experience that I was having. He was fully plugged into his own perspective and his own experience. And that's it. And it's the same with the guy in the car. He wasn't watching me to see if I was truly enjoying. He was looking for those surface level cues that I knew how to give. I was, I was programmed and conditioned to give those. Those are people pleasing cues. Oh, you want this from me? Sure. Let me give it to you. Because then I know I'll be safe. Then I know I will receive approval and love. And and I've fulfilled my obligation for whatever you've given me so far. And and I don't need to feel guilty for what I've received. Right. Wow. And so how'd this turn out? How far did it go? Or I mean, what? I mean, uh, it it stopped after just a few times. And I, you know, we went our separate ways. It's, we've had nothing to do with each other. And it, I didn't catalog it in my brain as this traumatic event at the time. I didn't have the awareness to kind of track the experience that I was having. I wasn't present enough with my own experience. That's why I was so ready to abandon my no and give myself to someone else because I was sort of trained to be plugged in externally that way. And so It wasn't until I started doing my deep dive work into why am I the way that I am (laughs) at some point in my 20s and, and, you know, really starting to unpack and and figure it out that I went back to that original experience and was like, oh, this is what happened there. I put those pieces together. And that's part of what I met those women with in that Facebook group who started asking me questions about blowjobs as I started talking about this idea that we can have these sexual experiences that do not seem traumatic as we're going through them or even after. But if our desire isn't plugged in and our pleasure isn't present, they are traumatic for our bodies. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to Getting Off with NatalieAndRocky.com, where you can choose your own adventure. Hmm. It's a pretty common thing to hear that someone had terrible experiences, to say the least. I, obviously, some traumatic when they were young at the hands of other young people. I mean, it's really unfortunate that we're so puritanical about actual sex education as opposed to just procreation education that we can't help young people get on board with understanding, you know, some etiquette at the very least about mm-hmm. engaging so that we're bringing kindness and thoughtfulness to the experience. But you probably had other similar situations with other boys of varying degrees, right? Oh, it was all that I knew because it was, you know, I was attracted to that type of boy and he was attracted to me. You like the bad boys. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's, let's get real. It's, (laughs) it's daddy issues that, that creates that situation. Basically, if you're not raised with like a sense that you are protected, you essentially don't learn how to protect yourself. So Mm. 
there were forms of protection that I was deserving of that I never experienced. And that was to blame for my taste in my dating choices. It wasn't until I started really digging into boundary work. Boundaries are what we're talking about today with what you want and what you don't want that I started to raise my standards and shift what I'm consciously looking for in a connection with a man. You know, I'm no longer attracted to that feeling of excitement and intensity when a man pushes a boundary. I'm much more attracted to that warm, delicious, safe feeling when a man respects my boundary and even appreciates its existence. And finding attunement and getting in that way, which I'm hoping we'll talk about that more because yes. so you and I kind of had a little kind of, I wouldn't say disagreement, but we saw it differently when I started talking about reading the room and you kind of corrected me on attunement and I've been thinking about it and it's like, it's really growing on me how that works and that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of better at attunement, honestly, than reading the room. But, yes. you know, sometimes I say things, you know, kind of in an old school way, just because it's easy and, you know, I'm old and that's what I can remember. <laughs> you know, it, but, it's, it's not just old school. I also think that, you know, men phrase things differently and see things differently. So that that phrase, reading the room, might feel quite different to you as a man as it does to me as a woman. You know, as, as a woman... Mm-hmm the phrase reading the room doesn't satisfy me because it kind of makes me feel like a piece of furniture. Right. But like, that's not how you mean it at all. So coming from the masculine perspective, like you're not including that in your definition, right? That's, that's just like how I receive those words as a woman. This is part of why we run into so much trouble as men and women, because there are so many times when we're, basically saying the same thing, but we're saying it in very different ways. And and we get stuck on the surface ways that what we're saying is different. And we forget to connect it in that underneath space where we agree with each other. Right. And there's so many areas where that's the case. Well, so that's where I think I could chime in and talk about what I do for my clients when they come and see me. So Before a woman can be on my table, I really have to make sure that she understands what I'm going to touch, right? And I I put my websites out there and I put all kinds of information so they can read about it. I ask them questions before they come. They have the scheduling app that gives them an opportunity to pick some things. Uh, So there's a lot of upfront information about, you know, what this is about, but I still want to hear it, you know, come out of their mouth that we're talking about female genital massage, right? That's what you're here for, right? Yes. Okay. Now, the next thing we can do is talk about what you want, how you want it, how you like it. What do you, you know, I might ask, well, do you use a vibrator? What do you normally do? How do you masturbate? How often do you masturbate? Because how frequently somebody does something like that tells me, something like how difficult it's going to be for them to be able to get to orgasm if that's what they're looking for. So we've got to talk about things and the question comes up, well, what do you like? And I can't tell you how often it's like, I don't know. 
I know what I like if I do it to myself. And it's like, okay, we can start with that. But when someone's doing something to you and it's not yourself, how do you process that if it's not what you like? If you can't tell somebody a little bit about what you like, then as a guy, we're just guessing. And that's what happens so often. Women kind of come into a, an experience where they don't give anybody any kind of feedback about what they like and what they want, kind of a do anything you want to me idea. And so it kind of gives us guys, you know, kind of free reign to do whatever we want. And then you're unhappy or you could be dissatisfied with that. So being able to talk about what you like and don't like that, what you don't want, that's one of the things I make sure I ask, what do you don't want? Well, I don't want you to check off your clothes. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. I don't want anal. I don't want anybody to kiss me. You know, I don't want anybody to say things about my body. Women usually have a pretty good list of what they don't want, but it's hard for what do you want? And so that's the work. A lot of the the work that I'm doing is like, okay, well, you know, how about this? I can, I can make suggestions. I start off slow. I do, a, you know, I work on your back for 30 minutes so that you can relax. I work on your front for about 30 minutes so you can relax a little bit more. I do a little bit of teasing and then we go into what you're actually here for. So it's like, okay, yeah, but it's a crapshoot, you know, if I'm going to get somebody that has an idea. So tell me, why is it hard for you to know what you want? Well, particularly as women, we're conditioned in so many ways. There's just so many examples of boundaryless relating all around us. And uh, the concept of boundaries is really pretty, pretty foreign in common culture. And this idea of having personal sovereignty, having the right to kind of own our own space, having the right to even have our own desires. hundred years ago, you were property. Right. And so, you know, I mean, a lot of this, again, comes down to the the existence of the patriarchy and the fact that as long as women are subjugated in some way, the patriarchy gets to continue functioning as it does in its limping along way. And discouraging women from having desires in general and focusing on them is one of the ways to keep women subjugated. It's one of the ways to keep power out of our hands. Uh, it's the same with pleasure. Like the, it is, it is not by accident that there's this massive hole in our education, like the structure of the motherfucking clitoris. Like it's only like been the last, like, I don't know exactly how many five ish years that like that we have declared what the actual shape of the clitoris is. And the fact that it's so much bigger than it has been depicted in, in all of medicine <laughs> this whole time. Like it's not an accident. We haven't just been overlooked. We've been subjugated. <laughs> and when we are in the act of the reclamation of power, when we are moving into a space of equality with men, I'm, I am a proud feminist, but I want to say that with a big old asterisk because the feminist movement ha has in a lot of ways been co-opted by people who are man haters. <laughs> and I am in no way a man hater. And I in no way believe that men are 
the enemy or the or responsible for the patriarchy like everything is a a dance that we're all doing we've all been participating so my version of feminism is the belief that we will function at our best as a society when men and women are able to function as equal and opposite polar opposite powers feminine power does not look the same as masculine power it operates differently but they operate in harmony with each other. They're the building blocks for co-creation. So along comes a little bit of a dilemma here in from what I said to what you said to what I'm going to say next. And that is sometimes women come and it's like, well, I just I completely want you to be in control. I want to give up control and let you just do what you do. Yeah. And it's, she's saying, I don't want to think about it. I think sometimes what the underlying message is, I don't want to be responsible. I want something really naughty and dirty, but I don't want to be responsible for saying that I want that because maybe I'm a slut if I do that, or, you know, I'm going to get shamed or I'm going to get guilt tripped or whatever. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know that it's, it's not so much I don't want to be responsible because of what the consequences might be. It's more, I don't want to be responsible for having to do the work to figure out what I really want Mm. and communicating it. Okay. So, you know, women, we have this very natural desire for men to take the lead and make some moves. And that feels, you know, very primal and uh, very good to us when it's like coming from a healthy place and it's informed by what we like and what we want. It's not a safe place to, to let a man do that if he's not informed in what we like or what we want. And a lot of women don't know that. They don't realize that they're asking for something that isn't inherently safe. Because they think, well, I have, like there's all this messaging and all this programming. Like men are supposed to lead, men are supposed to make the moves, blah blah blah. And, and we just like we receive that, we receive, receive, receive. And it's like, yeah, and we're asking too much of men. That, like we're putting them in risky positions by asking them to fly blind, and we're putting men in positions of just guessing. And there are two forms of guessing. There's flying blind with nothing, or there's attuned guessing. And if you're going to guess in an attuned way, that requires an intimate connection and, and, you know, a level of comfort with the person in order to get there. Part of what you do professionally, Rocky, you're very good at attuning to someone's pleasure energy and and like kind of tuning into what's going on with their body and their energy but the boundary conversation is what informs that process. You cannot attune the way that you're able to without that, that boundary conversation because you're not comfortable flying blind, not knowing what makes someone feel safe or not because you understand the responsibility that you hold in that scenario. Well, I think other men could enjoy being in that same position if they created an opening for their partner to voice a little bit more and maybe some encouragement because, you know, I think there are probably a lot of reasons why women might be hesitant to reveal some things that they actually really do want uh, or want to try something different, something new. 
um, maybe you gave somebody an inch and they took a mile or, you know, some other unfortunate circumstance. But if somebody's in a relationship or they're, you know, partnered up and they want to try some new tools and have some new experiences, opening up that communication of what haven't you tried yet and that you're ready to, if the conditions were right, maybe, maybe that's the question that us guys need to ask, you know, how do I make the conditions right? You know, for you to want to try new things. Does that, does that sound like something that could resonate with you? I think that's a great question. I also think encouraging these explorational questions that sort of honor the fact that women have been discouraged from wanting certain things, whether they've been painted as like slutty or improper or maybe unrealistic or just like, you know, unreasonable to want. Um, We get a lot of that messaging. But one of the ways that we crave to be led by you men is in creating the container for these conversations. Lead us into this territory. It's part of co-creating that safety by opening up the conversational territory and showing that you can, you know, play around there together. Like if you can't do it with words, why are you trying to force yourself to do it with your naked bodies? right? There's something missing there. Okay. So that said, I would definitely chime in and say, guys, if this sounds interesting to you, here's your foot in the door. Okay. Stick to the more clinical language here. Okay. None of this. Hey, baby, you ever thought about my cock in your asshole kind of a, (laughs) (laughs) that's not the lead in I'm talking about. It's something more like, have you ever tried anal sex? Was it, was it good? Was it, oh, it was bad. Did, what happened? Did somebody go too fast? A conversation like that. Some of the sexiest conversations that I've had have been with men simply showing curiosity in my experiences, my fantasies, just trying to dig into what I like. It's hot to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be the pornographic language, does it? No. In fact, I think, guys, you might find that, that that turns people off if you aren't at that level yet. That's that's a higher level, you know, that's deeper in to the intimacy, right? You you can't start there. Part of it is you're, you're demonstrating a level of maturity when you're able to hold a conversation that recognizes each other in your wholeness. The pornographic language, like the dirty talk that you engage in in bed, which is totally cool, it's more based in objectification, right? It's more based in this like surface level, what's happening physically. And what actually sets the stage for a deeper, more more enjoyable experience is bringing in more of that emotional engagement, more of that wholeness and like making each of you feel like there's space for all of that within the interaction and it's being held and acknowledged and taken into account. And so one of the words you just used there that I want to say something on is objectification. And so guys, we're hearing a lot of how bad that is objectifying women. So it's bad if you use it wrong, if you are not tuned in, if you're not attuned yet, you don't get to objectify. 
but if you use it without consent and without consent, I, there's probably all kinds of ways that we can use it poorly, but there's certainly a time when your partner enjoys being objectified. So, you know, part of where we're going with all of this is helping you get, you know, a better grip on when that time is. I'll see there can be a time when she enjoys being objectified. I don't, I definitely don't want to lump all women in on that. I personally have a vibe where like, yeah, objectify the hell out of me, but there's a journey there and it's only sexy once the journey has been made. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, again, don't lead with that guys. We, we, we got to tiptoe into these situations and she's going to love it when you do. She She's going to love it when you're starting these conversations because she's probably dying for these conversations to happen and maybe just doesn't know how to get them started. So I like what you're telling guys to, you know, to lead a little bit here. And I agree. I definitely feel like women, that is something that you want us to open some of these dialogues in a mature way and, and start extracting some new communication. Yeah, there's a huge distinction here between like having one of those conversations from the perspective of like wanting to share what you want to do and where you'd like to go versus having one of those conversations from a space of inquiry and curiosity and looking to learn more about what the other person would like to experience. Oh, absolutely. Huge difference. And I would say that I have been on the receiving end of both types of conversations and the one where I feel like there's curiosity about me is way sexier. Okay. So questions are huge. Questions are huge. Questions provide an opportunity for us to be heard and seen in our experience. And if you're, you know, if you're actively listening and showing us that you're listening and absorbing this information, guys, that's sexy. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> okay. So guys, w one of the, uh, the caveats here is go slow. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do is we, she says a little something and we get excited and we jump right to, Hey, are you ready to give me a blowjob? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I'm being a little bit facetious, but that, that is kind of our propensity. We're excited. We're, it's like, Oh, we're talking about sex. You want to do it now? Uh, yeah. Slow down just a little bit. She likes to draw this out. She likes to like, go into a little bit more detail about these things that we're, whatever it is that we're talking about, go into a little bit more detail. So what I say is if she gives you a little, you give her a little bit more. Okay. More than likely, then she'll give you a little bit more and just make these baby steps into these conversations. I'm, I, I know it sounds a little bit structured, but trust me, if you get too excited and you go too fast, it's going to be a turnoff. So I, I want to clarify something about boundaries in general. I define boundaries. I will usually explain it as, as boundaries are what you are available for and what you are not available for. Mm. And there's there's a reason why I, I word it like that. Your availability is what matters. And because it also ties back into how, how do we uphold a boundary there's often a misconception about them and people confuse boundaries for attempts to control the behavior of others. So a boundary is not 
me telling you, you can't do that to me. A boundary is me telling you, if you try to do this to me, I'm, I'm going to be unavailable to you. I'm I, like, you'll lose access to me basically. And, and enforcing the boundary is not me experiencing you trying that and then saying, Hey, I told you not to do that. And then that cycle just repeating again and again, because that's an ineffective way to try to express a boundary that's actually based in control. The effective way to enforce the boundary is simply to leave. Oh, you tried this. I told you I wasn't available for it. So therefore I'm removing myself. Simple uh, and, consequence. And, and us guys have been put in that position so many times and we're wondering what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you ignored the boundary as it was spoken, then that's the experience you're going to have. <laughs> but it matters to me that we define boundaries this way, because when we think about like, this is the inquiry that we need to do about ourselves and everyone needs to do this. What am I available for? What am I not available for? What are the standards that exist in my life? You know, I have a series of boundaries that I operate with when it comes to how I interact with men. You know, one of my boundaries is that if I am talking to a, a new man and he starts to engage in any kind of like emotional manipulation or anything that seems shady like that to me, I very quickly say, well, not for me disconnect. And I don't even necessarily need to voice to him why I'm disconnecting in that situation and explain what my boundary is. Give me an example of emotional manipulation. I mean, a great example of emotional manipulation is giving me a bunch of attention and heaping things onto me and then expecting something from me simply because you chose to give me something. Okay. So there are lots of ways to emotionally manipulate. Them. Lots. There are lots of ways. I mean, that's just one example of, of a you know type of behavior that I look for simply because that one is very present in abusive dynamics in relationships. But back to it being an example of how I enforce a boundary. I'm not sitting there telling the guy, hey, you don't get to emotionally manipulate me. You don't get to do this to me. I am simply, oh, removing my presence now. This does not meet my standard. Therefore, it does not get to hang out in my life. Not your job to teach him. Not my job to teach him, right? If he if he really wants to, he can come listen to the podcast <laughs> and well, pay and, for coaching. <laughs> well, and you and I both are kind of on the same page that this is a, a platform where we get to be honest about mistakes that people make, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I've made mistakes and other people make mistakes and sometimes women make mistakes, you know, in dealing with men that are, you know, kind of off-putting for us too. I mean, we have boundaries too, right? So much of what I teach is based off of past mistakes that I made in relating to men. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it's unfortunate that the most expedient way to resolve, you know, someone violating your boundaries is to cut them off and to, you know, not, not have anything to do with them anymore. But I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's, it's, it's like, if you're going to be that callous about my boundaries, and that wasn't even that big of a boundary, if you're going to be that callous, then, you know, I'm not safe with you. Yeah. I mean, that's just my standard for somebody new that I'm getting to know. If I have an existing relationship with someone and they have made a mistake in terms of not honoring my boundary, that's obviously going to be a very different scenario. I'm not going to be like, oh, you don't deserve to be in my life anymore. 
Well, we all have missteps along the way. You know, you got to consider the general dynamic of what's going on, right? Yeah. So the other thing that boundaries are not is a form of defensive self-protection. One of the things I see women doing sometimes is they sort of latch on to the idea of, of boundaries and protecting ourselves and you know, like the, the awakening and realizing that like, you know, no one taught us to do this and we didn't even realize that we were like really missing the mark here. It's jarring to look back on your life and realize that you were conditioned to not keep yourself safe. But in the same way that like when we recognize a problem, we tend to swing the pendulum too hard in the other direction, right? Women will construct what I like to compare to like a zombie apocalypse level amount of protection around their heart. And, and they settle into this mentality, this idea that men are bad, men are dangerous and the good ones are really rare. And when they show up, the way that they prove that they're a good one is they battle their way through my zombie apocalypse protections. And like, we're like sending men through mazes and like expecting to jump through all these hoops, like, you know, show me you're a good man. And it's just like puke. <laughs> it's, it's yucky. But we don't realize that we're doing it because we fall so far into this rationalized perspective. I've had this many bad experiences. So I need to protect, I need to be prepared for this kind of experience all the time. And boundaries exist in order to safely let love in. They do not exist to keep it, to keep people out. Uh, so if you're, if you're feeling like the standards that you're setting in your life, you know, some women will, will become single and they'll go hog wild coming up with all these new standards that they're looking for, for the men in their life. And then they turn around and they're like, no men meet these standards. There are no good men. And it's like, yeah, well, you might, you might be <laughs> expecting something a little ridiculous. <laughs> so there's a lot of information out there that some of what you're talking about is a test. Mm -hmm. it's, it's testing. And, you know, human beings, we, we just naturally see a test as, you know, something that, that means something. If you can do this, then it means that. And the, the, the unfortunate part is it usually doesn't work and it isn't actually true. Just because somebody can pass a test doesn't mean that they're going to be what you want or accomplish what you need or any, anything. It just means that they can see the test and pass the test. And, you know, guys are tested a lot. We, we're, we're pretty skilled at seeing the test coming. I mean, it's almost like, you know, in the dating realm of it, it's like, okay, I haven't seen the test yet. Where is it? Come on. You know, I'm waiting for it. I'm, it's like, we're a little bit prepared, you know, for the test. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And we'll, you know, sometimes we'll kind of jump through the, some of the hoops, you know, just to kind of give you something that, yeah, I'm, I, I understand what you need there. You know, we're trying to demonstrate that we've got some sensitivity to what's happened to you or whatever. Um, but yeah, it can get ridiculous. Uh, there's absolutely a culture built around making the man present in front of you responsible for all the sins of the men, men that came before him. Uh, we, we don't really realize that we're doing it. 
uh, as we're doing it. But it's not only very much present, but it's almost encouraged in popular culture. And so one of the themes I'm going to keep bringing it back to again and again is this idea of personal responsibility. Ultimately, boundaries are a personal responsibility. They are on no one but you, and they are upheld by no one but you, and they need to be decided by no one but you. And it requires a time of exploration, inner exploration, and asking yourself the important questions around what you are available for and what you are not available for in all the areas of your life in order to get clear on what those boundaries authentically should be. Now, here's something for the ladies about boundaries. I think I, I can't speak for all guys, but I think I could say that a lot of us guys appreciate knowing what your boundaries are. So, I mean, don't necessarily be afraid to put those boundaries out there. If we don't have boundaries, now, again, we're back to the guessing game. And that, you know, kind of sets us up to make a mistake, to to go beyond your boundaries without knowing what they are. If I know what your boundaries are, then to a degree, it's like, okay, I've got consent all the way up to the boundaries. Now I've got something where I can have, I can bring in my creativity and I can, um, I can engage and, and feel good that you're on board with it without me having to worry that, am I going too far? Totally. You have the information that you need in order to be able to attune. Uh, the, the quality of men that I am talking to these days, I receive compliments and appreciation for my expression of boundaries, uh, for owning my no and for clearly communicating what I'm, what I'm not available for. I numerous times have had men thank me for making that clear. Exactly. It's a, a nice position to be able to like have this equal footing it's queen behavior like men men want to honor and respect you as a queen and they can't do that if you're wishy-washy absolutely absolutely they, they can't do that if you are trying to outsource all of your decisions to him you have to be clear on what your own perspective is and you have to know where you want to go in order to even select a man who's capable of taking you there. Yeah. You know, I thought of a funny analogy, you know, you bring your car ladies to the mechanic and say, fix it. I mean, can you imagine taking your car to the mechanic and just saying, fix it? You're going to pay a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I got. I put new tires on it. I put a new engine in it and a transmission. <laughs> it's fixed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could use a coat of paint, too. Would you like me to do that while we're at it? <laughs> we, we want to be led so badly, but we are asking men to fly blind. And it's really unfair. And, and like men don't realize that they're being asked to, to fly blind. Like it, it's like, there's, there's missing information on both sides here. Men don't realize what they're missing. Women don't realize what they're not supplying. Like it's, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And it's because we've all grown up absorbing this very surface level kind of sexual engagement that is just like all about, you know, basically getting your rocks off 
and it, it doesn't it doesn't lead us anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere meaningful. It doesn't. We're missing the point. So we're we're talking about a a little bit of a new piece of our uh, show here, where we we kind of have something for you, some homework. Should I call it homework? <laughs> sure. Some homework for you if you if you like. You know, if you don't if you don't have time for it, that's fine. But you know, something that you could do to you know move ahead in your life today. Boundaries. We would love if you would sit in curiosity with yourself and write a list of things you are available for and a list of things you are not available for. And just think of the different areas of your life. How are you available to be spoken to? How are you available to be touched? How are you available to be treated? How are you available to experience your life, basically? And I want you to think about what your ideal experience is and also getting really clear on what is not invited into your experience. And I want you to look at both of those lists and recognize that you and only you hold personal responsibility over manifesting these things in your life or the lack of them in your life. You hold those boundaries. You decide what gets to come in. You decide what what stays out. How powerful. I, I can just imagine some women like almost being horrified right now to have to think about what they want and what they don't want and write it down. It's not an easy exercise. I like I think a lot of us avoid it because when we sit down to do it, we realize that it's a lot harder than we think it should be. And it usually comes with some grief and some sadness over the fact that it shouldn't be as hard as it is for us. So the comforting part here is you can keep it secret. You don't have to share this with anybody. It's good for you to just know within yourself what you want and what you don't want. That might clear some things up about what's going on in your life right now. Yeah. And if you want to go further, this is kind of the first building block that both Rocky and I support with in different ways. You know, he's obviously offering more of an in-person experience where where you get to practice communicating what what you want and what you don't want, which is great experience. And my one-on-one coaching, my sensual coaching is um, designed to help support you as you kind of navigate your life and run into situations where you need to uphold your boundaries. And often they will be new boundaries and it feels like altering the steps in a dance that you've been doing with someone. And sometimes life gets a little messy while we're making that transition and teaching people around us the new way that we're doing things, the new way that we're moving our feet in the dance. So I have moved through the majority of my growth and my healing in my life with support from a mentor, um, as well as support groups and things like that. I, I highly, highly recommend having someone hold you and love you while you're moving through this very challenging stuff. It helps so much to be validated in your experience, to be seen in it, and to be reminded that you're not alone in what you're moving through and that there's freedom on the other side. That said, be honest with yourself about what you write down. Don't be afraid to write down some things that might be too risque or shameful or there's guilt around because this is your list. 
This isn't somebody else. This is not your mom's list, not your dad's list, not your partner's list. This is your list. And one of the things that I see is women are afraid to talk about what they really want because of fear of someone else's judgment. Own what you want. Own it. You know, it's it's okay. We all have our kinkier sides, let's say. The the last guy that I dated, I really appreciated a moment in which he led me to expand my desires because I was sharing with him the vision work I had done for my life, the sort of big picture things I was seeing. And his response was, that all sounds good. Now tell me the global version of that. And that just blew my freaking mind. I was like, what? global version of me like I don't should never even never even considered that but you know what this podcast has already been listened to on multiple continents so by friends that live in different countries so technically I'm already global <laughs> and this is you know creating something like this is a desire that I had to own and recognize within myself and then do a lot of work to take personal responsibility for creating in my life. Wow. Fantastic. All right. So next week we are going to go into develop a mindset of playing curiosity. And after that focus on pleasure and connection. So Come on back next week for another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And I do want to tag in here real quick and just say, please leave us ratings and reviews on our podcast. We're a baby brand new podcast, and we're really trying to get ourselves off the ground and climbing up in the charts. And we've got lots of great support around us, but we need more and more and more. So please take the time to rate and review. Yeah, the rating and review is for the algorithm. It's for the computers and the bots and all that to tell them that we're valuable enough for someone else's eyes besides yours. So that's how it helps us out. We really appreciate it. Thank you and talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.